welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name what matters. Hello and welcome. I am so thankful you are joining for this bonus episode. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am... Joined once again by my personal therapist, Jamie Williams. You may remember Jamie from the bonus episode we did in February on returning to safety in our bodies after experiencing trauma triggers. Um, I mentioned in that episode that Jamie will be a recurring guest on this show from time to time because I just really believe in her expertise, her wisdom, and her approach. Um, I have just seen massive, lasting, undeniable fruit of it in my own life, and I'm so thrilled to be able to bring you this conversation in which we discuss establishing and enforcing boundaries and how that empowers us to experience healthy relationships, integration, and self-attunement. Before we dive in, let me just tell you a little bit about Jamie's credentials and experience so you know that what she is saying is good and true. Jamie Williams is a licensed professional counselor supervisor and the founder of Prosperity Counseling Services. She has over 10 years of experience in helping clients with a wide range of concerns, diagnoses, and traumas. Her therapeutic approach combines gestalt, narrative, Jungian analysis, experiential, and trauma-focused counseling modalities such as EMDR, trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, and more. Jamie is also certified in and utilizes integrative somatic parts work and neurofeedback. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and child and family studies from Arizona State University and a master's degree in mental health counseling. She is also currently pursuing a PhD in clinical psychology at Saybrook University. So here is my conversation with Jamie. Okay, Jamie, thank you so, so much for joining me on this podcast and for sharing your expertise and wisdom with this community. So today we are talking uh, about how we can become empowered by establishing and enforcing boundaries in our lives and in our relationships. So if you would, let's just um, start with why boundaries are important and what purpose they can serve in our journey toward healing and wholeness and flourishing. Yeah. um, I mean, boundaries are really essential, um, but we don't typically realize that until they're violated or we're feeling resentful. Um, And both of those things, feeling resentful and violated, lead to us feeling disempowered, like we are Uh helpless, like we can't do anything. Um, And so I think it's essential to be able to understand what boundaries truly are um, and then set boundaries for yourself, too. Um, Yeah that actually fit your values and your needs. Um, Because I think a lot of people attach to boundaries and have this cookie cutter mentality of, well, these are boundaries that work for them. So let me set that. And then it doesn't work out. And then we kind of get disenchanted about boundaries in general. And then we give up. Yeah. 
I've noticed that. And then I also, there's a, there's a weird twist to this within Christianity or, or certainly evangelicalism um, in this area that, that boundaries are selfish. And so implying boundaries leads to um, like to the idea that your, your mental health and your energy and your, you know, resources are more important than, you know, what another person needs from you and we should die to self and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to bring that up a little bit. Have you heard, have you, just in your client and in, in your practice, have you heard people sort of struggle with like setting boundaries because they're supposed to be selfless or they're supposed to be, um, uh, die to self in that way. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think the, the obvious counterpart to being selfless is being selfish. And a lot of people associate setting boundaries as being selfish. Um, but what we have to understand is that boundaries are inevitable. And so if we are not setting them for ourselves, other people are setting the boundaries for us. Um, and we might think, well, oh, it's my pastor or, oh, these are what other people in the church those are the boundaries that they want for me. Um, they must mean good. And maybe that's so. But if, again, if your boundaries are not aligned with your values and your needs, they're not for you. They're for somebody else. Mm. Um, and so I've, really I work good. with lots of clients that have, um, you know, kind of this propensity to lean either towards being really selfless And again, not prioritizing their values and letting other people set boundaries and viewing setting boundaries as a selfish, um, egocentric thing, that it's egocentric to think about myself Mm -hmm. above other people. Um, But values are the foundation of healthy relationships. And so if we're wanting to have healthy relationships with God, with our friends, with people at church, with our coworkers, we're devaluing the relationship from our perspective and the other person's perspective, if we're not setting boundaries. That's so good. And, and I think, I mean, burnout serves nobody. Right. And so, especially if it's boundaries in terms of what you're being expected to do or perform within a church or with an organization or a faith community, um, or even in a relationship, if you are burned out, um, you are not, you're, it, the, the health of the relationship suffers in that way as well. And then obviously there's also long-term sort of resulting, it can become trauma or just stress, um, from being, like you said, disempowered. I really liked sort of the way you said that, like that boundaries empower us because a lack of them is disempowering to us. Can you say a little Mm -hmm. bit more about that before we Absolutely. Um, So if I think about children, for example, parents, one of their duties is to provide boundaries for a child to help them grow and love and be protected because children don't know what boundaries they need. And over time, they learn that. Um, But as adults, sometimes that carries with us. We're so used to other people setting the boundaries for us, whether it's our spouse or our parents. Um, or our job and the success that we want. We let that set the boundaries in our life, um, which really puts the locus of control outward. Um, And we're already a pretty outward focused society anyways of what do people think about me? What do people like about me? How can I be better for them or for my job or for my spouse? Um, But setting healthy boundaries is really going to take you attuning with what do you need? You have to turn inward. And that's really hard. It is really hard. So, okay. So let's say, 
let's sort of walk through it step by step if we can. What might someone be feeling or experiencing in their lives? And you addressed this a little bit with the disempowerment. Feeling or experience in their lives, their relationships, maybe their mental health or physical health when they don't have proper boundaries. So in other words, how can someone tell that this may need to be an area of work in their in their lives? What clues do our bodies give us or our behaviors? Um, if you could talk a little bit about that. That's, that's a great question because I feel like we typically are going to feel that first physiologically or emotionally. Um, that might look like feeling taken advantage of, um, not feeling respected or like an equal partner, um, feeling misunderstood, like people don't really know me, um, or just feeling incongruent. Uh, and we feel incongruent physiologically, like maybe you're not sleeping well. Maybe you've got mm. gastrointestinal problems or persistent migraines or your binge eating at night, trying to avoid um, and numb the incongruency that you're feeling. It, it can show up in so many ways, but I think the best coin term to understand mm -hmm. is it's going to feel incongruent. The shoe doesn't yeah. quite fit. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and then, and then within our relationships, um, I like what, um, feeling taken advantage of, you said, one thing that I've noticed in my life when I notice either that I need boundaries or that my boundaries are being tested and encroached upon and, and outright dismissed or ignored is resentment. Mm -hmm. It's that it's not necessarily that I notice it in a big way in the moment. It's that like when something does happen that I notice, then I start cataloging. Mm -hmm. And I start saying, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And, and I didn't care then. But it's just evidence of the problem, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, almost sort of gaslighting myself about how it affected me in the in the first instance of it. Yeah. Um, but then but then I, I, there's you know, there's a piece of it that like at, when it becomes a pattern, it is more of a big deal mm -hmm. than necessarily, you know, than someone making a mistake or, you know, just having an off communication day or something like that. Um. I'm speaking from very real experience right now in a certain, in a specific um, dynamic mm -hmm. <laughs> in my life, which is why I'm glad we're having this conversation today. Um, okay, so so those are the ways that maybe somebody listening to this could identify. Um, oh, maybe I didn't realize that was that was something that I'm that I'm lacking, but it is. Maybe I see it now. There's a, this is an area of work I might need to start doing. So. We've identified that. Walk us through what it looks like to determine within ourselves what the boundary needs to be and then to set that boundary with either someone, with ourselves, with a relationship. Um, often one of the hardest parts is communicating a newly set boundary. Yes. Um, which is, you know, when the relationship is used to not having them or having mm -hmm. different ones. Um, and so usually the other party has benefited from us having had poor boundaries in the past. Uh, it often requires an awkward or hard conversation um, and potentially someone with someone who's potentially triggering to us or harmful. Um, and so what sort of like self-care and internal or relational prep work do you recommend for someone who's ready to communicate a new boundary? Um, and then, and first of though, if you can start off with how do we know what our boundary is? What, what, sh what should we decide that it's going to be? 
I think those first steps that you mentioned are vital. But again, because we're so outward focused, we usually skip that. We get triggered and then we set a boundary based on that trigger. You're really just coping at that moment instead of healing and setting boundaries. Um, So I think you have to first Mm. understand what is a boundary and being an outward focused society, we often set boundaries for other people, but a real personal value is a limit or a rule that we set for ourselves. So we're not setting a boundary of you will treat me this way, or you will talk to me this way. We're setting a boundary for ourselves. Um, The other important thing to conceptualize. Just just to, to like um, put, put flesh on that. So for example, if, if there was someone in my life who like regularly raised their voice in communication with me Mm -hmm. and I, and, and so my boundary was, you're not going to yell at me or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you yell at me rather than the boundary being, I don't allow people in my life and put myself Mm -hmm. in situations where anyone in my life is going to raise their voice at me and speak to me like I'm a child or speak to me with disrespect. Um, and then that way it's not a, a boundary for that relationship. It's a personal value. I am sort of enforcing in all my relationships. Some, it may have been already the case mm-hmm. and somewhere it may need work. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. And so when you're saying you won't talk to me that way, you're putting the locus of control in that person's hands. You're empowering them to follow a boundary, which may be really good or it could be really bad. But when you're saying I'm not going to allow people like that in my life, the locus Mm. of control is within you now, much less scary. And now you're empowered. Um, There's one less ingredient in that scenario. Yeah. Ooh, that's really good. Okay, so so the the latter half of that question then, what sort of self-care or internal, maybe even relational prep work can we do or would you recommend to someone who is ready to communicate their new boundary, um, but or they think they are, <laughs> um, but like, um, so for example, I don't imagine you would recommend necessarily communicating that new boundary in the heat of an argument where you're screaming at each other. No. Or something, right? And so what kind of prep work do we need to do for, like you said, moving the locus of control back to ourselves, where we go into that conversation um, from a place of being grounded and centered and and, um, with wisdom and from a place of, as you know, of wholeness or with an eye toward wholeness as much as possible. What would be um, maybe some recommendations you'd have? I think first centering yourself on the concept that boundaries can be rigid or fluid. And so when you're thinking of these boundaries and starting to brainstorm, it's important that you almost see the boundary on a continuum. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if we're having this black and white thinking of this is my boundary and it doesn't happen or it's slightly crossed over, then we instantly feel unsafe and we shut down. But if we can exist within this continuum and really attune with ourself, our values and our boundaries are going to shift depending on the relationship, depending on what's going on, depending on the context and depending on how empowered we feel. And so Mm -hmm. you really have to be able to attune with yourself first. And that's going to take knowing your values. When you say attune with yourself, what can you can you sort of break that down a little bit? I know Mm -hmm. that's something that is was a revolutionary concept for me within therapy. Uh, attunement. And so if you can sort of just take a second and and tell us what it means to attune with ourselves or to ourselves. 
Yeah. I think of it as looking inwards, leaning towards ourselves versus the world or our partner, whoever it is, or work, identifying what's important to me. What do I value? What needs do I have? Um, Once we can identify that, then we can set boundaries and limits and rules to protect those needs and to value those needs and values and respect them. One of the things that was helpful for me within attunement was thinking of my child self. Mm-hmm. my inner child or child self, what does she need to feel safe? What does, uh, to protect her innocence or her creativity or her joy or her fun um, or her feeling of safety, whatever it is, because that little girl still lives in me um, and because so much of the work of my healing journey at least has been um, coming back to that essential self Um, And shedding the false narratives that either I put on myself through mistakes or through patterns that were unhealthy or dysfunctional, through relationships and narratives within those that were not true about me, but that I allowed to exist. Um, And all of those required boundaries Mm -hmm. to be set. But first I had to attune to, and I think about, when I think about attunement, tell me if this is wrong, but like a, a child has needs, a child is crying or whatever. And a parent who gets down on their knees, I level with them and, and, and listens and says, tell me what, tell me what you need. Tell me what your big feelings are. And then, and then responds, um, versus a parent who's like, ah, shake it off, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so is that sort of a good, a good way to think about attunement? Yeah. Would you say? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up some of the inner child work that you've done, um, because something that we need to do um, preemptively before asserting and establishing these boundaries with with other people is Mm -hmm. doing the hard work of reflecting and floating back to tend to our wounds. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those wounds are because of um, disruptions and attachment, because our caregivers were not attuned with us enough, um, or our boundaries were violated. And so that's a great place to start Um, because I have lots of clients that say, okay, Jamie, I get this whole boundary thing, but how do I know what boundaries I need? Um, And the best place to start is going back, tending to those wounds. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, identifying what did I need? How could I better have been protected or respected? And how do I take that and make meaning of it now in the boundaries that I set? I, I think I told this story whenever I was I was hosting or co-hosting on where do we go from here? But um, there was a a day that I was supposed to meet up with my ex, and uh, we had we had had plans, and I had I had driven um, about an hour to go meet him, and he overslept and didn't show up and didn't text and those things, and I as soon as I got back home, I was so angry and I felt so dismissed and disrespected. But it wasn't just that he didn't show up. There was so, I could feel there was so much more going on. And I had seen the day or two before that uh, some Instagram account uh, account that I follow had posted an inner child meditation that she, mm-hmm. like content that she was making available. And I was like, well, let me try this. And I did this inner child meditation. And I'll link to this in the show notes, by the way. Um, but I did it. And at the end of that, I mean, I was just sobbing. And I said to my inner self, my inner child self, um, I will never put us in a position to be, uh, for our voice not to be heard again. 
And that's what I felt was the crossing of the boundary was that he wasn't listening to me, that this this is, this is was like the ninth time something like this had happened or I'd been canceled on last minute and I felt disrespected. But it wasn't just I, – I love canceled plans. I am an introvert and a homebody. I love canceled plans. It's not that. It was stating, you know, in that relationship, I need to see you. We need to connect. Um if we're going to stay healthy and then just sort of this total disregard and lack of respect for my time and me as a person made me feel like I did as a child when my needs were being completely dismissed and disregarded or my voice wasn't being heard. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was like, I had to sort of go deeper in that moment. And I'm thankful that I all, I had that resource all of a sudden that day um, but I had to go deeper and say, like, attune to my child self to figure out this manifestation of it in my adult life, mm-hmm. what was being, what boundary was being crossed, and then had to assert it. And since then, I mean, it has been, it's stayed with me, that, that mm-hmm. exercise has. Yeah. And I'm glad that you were attuned with yourself enough to notice that because our our body, our brain, our thoughts, and our feelings are going to alert us if our boundary is being violated. We not we mm-hmm. may not be able to name it, but we are neurologically and autonomically built to detect that. And so mm-hmm. that's another great place to start is just noticing what comes up for you. Do you feel hesitant when you're in a relationship? Do you feel like you can't say certain things in front of somebody else? Are you having um, a lot of stomach issues around a particular person or physical ailments? All of those things are telling you, maybe not specifically, that there's incongruency in the in the boundaries that you're asserting. Mm, that's really good. Okay. So when it comes to enforcing boundaries that were that are being bucked against. So we're talking we've established and now we need to enforce them if they're being tested or or pushed up against. What would you say to someone who's tempted to just cave and return to the way things have been? Um, or what about to someone maybe who's ready to insist their boundaries be respected, but it could cost them with maybe collateral relationship damage, loss of community or opportunities or work maybe. What are some things both of these people can maybe keep in mind to help them continue down this path with self-care and empathy and bravery, um, even though it's hard or may cost them? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's, I want to normalize that creating, asserting, establishing, and maintaining boundaries is often perfected through trial and error. And so if you're going into this, you're going to have the trial and error. You're going to mess up. You might assert a boundary that you just can't keep up with, or that actually doesn't fulfill your needs, but fulfills somebody else's needs. Or you might assert a boundary only to cave. And it's important in those moments that when you cave, that you attune with yourself again. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably attune with emotions like um, despair, disappointment, hurt, maybe towards yourself, maybe towards the other person. But if you can attune with those emotions in a self-compassionate and respectful way, you're going to be better equipped to hold firm to that boundary the next time. Mm-hmm. Because if we're going into it, not expecting it to be a trial and error process, then we might cave. And then say, okay, screw it. I already caved. What's the point? Yeah. And and I used to do that a lot um, in that relationship. I would, in the heat of the moment and in the anger and in the hurt, 
I would say, you know, okay, well, this is not going to fly anymore. This, whatever, you know, just happened that made me angry. You know that this, you know, especially if it was repeated offenses. Um, and I would get so angry. And then I also knew in the back of my head, this has no teeth on it. Because when I'm not angry like this, or when I do, when I'm back into this sort of unhealthy cycle, this was, by the way, in a time when I was much less healthy in my own self and with my own patterns and, and responses. So just want people to hear me say that. Um, but I knew there was going to come a time when I was feeling like needy or clingy or anxious attachment again. And so all of the boundaries I had set meant if that's the only way he's going to engage with me and there's a boundary there, then I don't get the engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I'll allow it, I'll allow it, I'll allow it until it hurts again. And then I'll set the boundary again. And, and I started to feel like, you know, towards the end of that relationship, like what's the point in even setting the boundary anymore or communicating when I'm angry or communicating when he's crossed a boundary because, um, and this is not just romantic relationships, by the way, this happens in my family too, or in, in families, in work, um, where like, Maybe the pattern is so established, maybe it's decades or something, that it's just muscle memory for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels like there's no way out of this cycle. Even enforcing a boundary just creates a fight, but that's not any more healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what did you what would you say in that to someone in that sort of space? I like that you mentioned muscle memory um, because we're going to circuit towards these boundaries that other people have set for us, especially in our family of origin, much more naturally and with ease than these boundaries that we're asserting for ourselves. And if this is totally new to you, you're flexing muscles you've not flexed or worked out before. And Mm. so you might come with a big boundary that you're just not able to tolerate at the time or withstand. That's okay. You can start to build up. And I think the other important thing to realize is that you can tell if you did a good job setting a boundary, if there's pushback, Mm. you can also tell if the boundary was for you and based on the foundation of your needs and values, if there's pushback. So if you are getting pushback when you're setting these boundaries, pat yourself on the back. Mm. Whether it's with uh, your kid, your boss, your partner, Pushback means that you're doing something right. You're asserting your own needs and wants. And, you know, we can be selfish. And so when other people assert new boundaries with us, even that don't meet our needs anymore, we're going to notice that. And so take that, that they're noticing it as a positive. That's good. I'm glad you brought that part up of it because people will also set boundaries with us. Um, and, And I think... To me, the the doing the work of setting the boundary or having some having a boundary set within a, a, a relationship where we're on the receiving side of it, it tells me that person loves me or is still in mm-hmm. it with me to some degree. Because the other option is to walk away, to say just like this isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's work where I don't love my boss, right? But but I am not going anywhere and I am still invested. I'm still in, but maybe the way that this conversation goes or the way that this, you speak to me in this way, I I need to set a boundary in order for us to continue in a more healthy way. That to me is a compliment or an affirmation that the relationship is worth it. 
Absolutely. And I think that's easier for us to understand when the roles are reversed, right? If our Mm. boss has set the boundary of, Kelly, you need to be at work at this time. We may not want to be to work at that time, but our boss values us as an employee. As a teacher, if we're setting a boundary with a student of, if you don't put your name on your paper, you're getting a zero. That boundary Mm -hmm. is going to teach self-control. And that teacher wants that kid to have self-control because they care about them. And so it's easier to see it like that um, because we also should feel empowered to teach people how we want to be treated too teach people how we want to be treated. That's really good. Um, Just right as we wrap this up, do you have any kind of maybe short practice or imaginative exercise maybe or anything? I know this is last minute and I didn't send you this prep beforehand. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, that's fine. We can cut it. Um, But do you have any maybe practice or imaginative exercise or anything you could share or lead us in as we sort of go forth into these, these waters? Absolutely. I think a good way, a good, mental imagery that I use is you've got your house and you've got a fence around your house. And so if you picture your house, um, that's, that's the storage place for our values and our needs. And then you've got a fence around your house and you might have a friend um, or a colleague that's very respectful of your boundaries. So you might imagine a cute little white picket fence outside of that house with the easy latch gate, no code to get in. This person can come and go. That might be okay for some relationships, but not all, because remember, our boundaries have to be flexible. And Mm -hmm. so you might have somebody else who's not as respectful of your boundaries or has violated them before, or it's a new relationship. You might then imagine um, a wooden fence with pickets and they've got to have a key to get in. And so I think it's good to imagine what kind of boundary does this person need And what do I need to put in place to protect my values and my needs? Um, I also like that as as an imagery piece for myself as an anchor, because that empowers us to protect our values and our needs. Oh, man. I am just always so grateful for her anytime I have had a session with her or a conversation She just exudes wisdom and experience and healing. My thanks again to Jamie for joining me for this conversation. You can find her on Instagram at Prosperity Counseling or her website is prosperitycounseling.org. I will also link to these in the show notes. Before we go, if you could please take just a moment to pause this episode before the benediction and hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you are listening in Apple, if you could leave a rating and a review, it is so helpful with all the algorithm things, especially for a new show like this one. If you would share this episode on your social media, share it with your people, um, all of that helps a ton. And so I just really would appreciate that. Join me on Monday as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And as we close out, according to this little tradition of ours, I am bringing you this benediction, which is a prayer from Shannon K. Evans' forthcoming book called Feminist Prayers for My Daughter. The prayer is called For Healthy Boundaries. In this prayer, as she writes it, the subject of it is is her daughter, and so the pronouns are her, and she mentions my daughter. I have adapted the language just to say we and us, uh, but this is Shannon's words and her work, so... Let's pray. O fortress of loving kindness, 
The world will try to convince us that we owe it our time, our energy, our emotional availability, and our work. Left unchecked, the world will seek to consume us until we exist only for the whims of others. May it never be so. Teach us when to say no. Teach us when to draw a line. Teach us when to give of ourselves and when to choose ourselves. For it is only through boundaries that we can be protected from resentment. It is only through boundaries that we can retain our compassion. And it is only through boundaries that we can care for ourselves as one worthy of time, energy, emotional availability, and work. May we protect ourselves with the boundaries we need to live an authentically generous life. Amen.